Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. Well, it was just another one of those very, very long pre-interviews where I finally had to say record because (laughs) I was talking to this pretty awesome person. And as always, it also took us a lot of times to figure out the date that we could make this happen. But we're here. Crystal Frommer, how you doing? Great. I'm so glad to be here, Brandon. Thank you. Oh, no, it's so good, so good, so good to be here with you. And, you know, to dive into your work and to dive into some of the things that have been happening for you recently and and just kind of the uniqueness of the work you do in a French international school um, as well really is going to bring some awesome perspective to our audience. And I'm really excited to be able to to do that today. And even more importantly, we're going to talk about contacting people that sometimes many people are very scared to contact or many people just may not feel that it is their strength. We're going to talk about her book, which is When Calling Parents Isn't Your Calling, published by the great friend of mine, Darren Pepper at Road to Awesome, but also written by you, the amazing author. So Crystal, God, that's a lot, but (laughs) You got to you got to kind of take us through it a little bit. Give us a little introduction. Where are you from? And just kind of how you've gotten onto this. This yeah, I I'm a math teacher, and so uh, writing is is relatively new to me as as part of my career. Um, but I am a mom and a wife, um, and a dog owner, and uh, a math teacher, and I live in Houston, Texas. And I'm also a new author. I started writing with Edutopia. Uh, who I still write with and um, do a lot of great work with them. And I would love to continue that. Um, And then I met Darren and started writing this book because, you know, like I said, I'm a new writer, so I didn't really know what to write about. So I wrote about what I know. And I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert at parent communication, but the reason I wrote on this topic is because that's an area that I have grown so much in, in the last 20 something years as a teacher, I started out very afraid, timid, um, very hesitant to contact parents. And I've learned so many wonderful little treasures of advice from great administrators and great colleagues that I feel like now it's something I can write about with confidence. Um, Even though there's still more to learn, 
but I think there's so much information that I could pass on to another teacher who, who would like to get better in this area. We rise by lifting others is said often on this show, because I feel like that is one thing that I, that is really important about the work that we do as educators. You know, we're naturally drawn to that, that raising up of others to sometimes maybe even we forget about ourselves a little bit, but that's a whole nother topic, but to bring back and understand the work and the dynamics, the environments, the differences, the complete crazy, you can't make this stuff up stories, all of that stuff, because, and I know there are horror stories mm -hmm. for everyone. And I know there are many success stories as well. And it is something you reminded me about earlier in the pre-show and talk a little bit, you know, just kind of Let's kind of describe the way this this kind of approach works, but I think we need to kind of come one step back further in terms of looking at the work that you're doing and looking at how you just kind of leaped into taking this school work that you were doing in this international school. And I'd love to be able to see, as we get going a little bit later, I'd love to be able to see those differences. I'd love to be able to see those, those cultural connections that we were talking about a little bit as well. So let's just dive into contacting parents. Tell us about the book. So the book, each chapter goes into a situation that um, I think everyone could use a few pointers on. Uh, some of those might be parent night, right? Where it, in my school, it's a structure, and I think it's similar to many other um, independent schools that you have about 10, 15 minutes with an audience and you're talking to them about your class. You're you know, it's, it's very much sage on the stage. I'm standing here and telling you about my class. And it can, it can cause a lot of anxiety for teachers who are not used to talking to people over five feet tall. It's, it's can be, can be nerve wracking. Um, other chapters go into difficult conversations because there are going to be times that you have to talk about misbehavior or sensitive topics or bad news, things like that. Um, and I offer plain and simple sentence starters of this is how, if you're nervous about how to say this, here's a great way to start the sentence. Um, some of the chapters go into parent conferences, how to make those a little more successful. Um, and another chapter that was actually really easy for me to write was, what if you're wrong as the teacher? What if you're the one who made the mistake and you're the one who has to tell the parent, hey, look, I'm really sorry. I made a mistake here. Um, I, I messed up. I, you know, I can give you one example that's in that chapter of you know, I typed the wrong grades for a kid. Like I skipped a line in my grade book and this kid had these grades that did not match <laughs> her at all. And it was embarrassing. And I had to tell the parents, look, I'm, I'm really sorry this happened. I'm going to fix it. Um, and just how to approach those situations because they're going to happen. And that is how the book is structured, just a chapter. So if you're, it's a great book to have just on your desk or the bookshelf next to your desk that if you're in a sticky situation and I'm not asking you to read the whole book right then, obviously, but if you want to thumb through to that particular chapter, they're very short little chapters of just some tips on how do I get through this sticky situation? I think it's a great handbook to have nearby. I love that. I love that. I mean, we really, we can really use so many tips and tools to help us communicate better. And there were so many different topics that you just touched on there. And 
I got a prod. I just got to be selfish here and I got to yeah. dive into this one. So we got to, we got to dive into parent conferences because I got to hear your, your take on parent conferences, because I know that is a challenging concept for people. And, mm -hmm. and there is, you know, the jury is out in terms of what's the best, you know, especially now since, you know, even after pandemic days and how we've shifted as education. So Give it to us. Give us your wisdom on parent conferences, please. Well, pre-pandemic, my school started a new uh, style of parent conferences. And um, I know this is not a teacher decision. This is a school-wide decision to make. But our school opens up the entire gym and auditorium area. And we have tables that are along the perimeter of the room. And parents are invited. And it lasts for two days. Parents are welcome to come and just like a fair almost, right? Like an open house where, oh, look, Mrs. Frommert, the math teacher is available. I'm going to go chat with her. And at first I was very like worried. How is this going to work? Are they, is, are other parents going to overhear our conversation? But they don't. It's so noisy in there that, the, you know, your conversation that's three feet in front of you is not, it's, it's kept pretty private. Um, and that's how we do it. We don't make appointments anymore. You just come in and you shop around to see when the teacher's available and you sit down and have a short chat. Um, and I know when I'm describing that verbally, it sounds very bizarre, but in practice, it actually works quite well. Um, and I've also worked at schools where parents booked, you know, appointments, 15 minute appointments and come to sit down with you um, in a closed room. And you feel like you have to fill those 15 minutes with that parent. And that is really hard. And I do mention this in the book. That's really hard to do when the child is doing just fine. Like the child is doing their work. They're participating. They're understanding the concepts. They're doing just fine. How do you talk about that for 15 whole minutes, <laughs> right? It's it's almost easier when the child is having some sort of struggle that you can actually have a conversation about. Um, but it, on the flip side, it also is very difficult when the child has some really heavy issues, some issues that are sensitive or hard to talk about. Um, and those can make a teacher very uncomfortable because no one likes to deliver bad news ever. Um, so it's it just depends. You know, it depends on the style that your school has for parent conferences. But the best piece of advice, no matter what the style is that your school has, is, and, and this is very blunt, but just shut up as a teacher, just shut up and let the parent talk. And I learned that too late in my career. I used to think that, oh, I got to start talking. I, I'm the, I'm the teacher, blah, 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 blah. And a teacher said, don't talk so much. You're going to tie yourself out. Plus the parents want to be heard. Just ask them, how do you feel like your child's doing in this class? And they will fill the first 10 minutes of your conversation. And you, you walk away knowing so much more about that kid um, after the parents have had a chance to tell you a little bit more about the home life. Absolutely. You know, and in your experience and in your work and in, in even digging a little bit further into this idea of the home life, you know, something that is, we speak a lot about is understanding the stories of our students, whether it's culturally responsiveness, whether it's growth mindset, whether it's equity, whatever we want to call it, it's, understanding the perspectives of others. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that that's essential to parent communication as we, we go through. And so what do you 
also consider helpful for getting that story that you're talking about, getting that story out of the, you know, out of the parents, because there is obviously many different, you know, obstacles to, to overcome. Right. And I, I like to start with that question that I just mentioned of what does your child say about math class at home? And I think that's a very open-ended question because the parents can respond with a couple of things. One, well, they never talk about your class ever. And I think that is a concern. You know, I want them to talk positively. I can't, you know, that's wishful thinking, but, um, and I say, oh, I wonder why, you know, and sometimes I get that, that answer. That's, that's less common. Um, but often I hear, oh, they say, you know, they have too much homework or their tests are difficult for them, or, um, they really love the activities you do in class. So it gives me so much feedback um, for me as a teacher of what I should continue doing and maybe what I should not continue doing as a teacher. But it also helps me to differentiate the instruction and the assessment for that particular student when I can. Um, so if I know, like, for example, um, a parent said to me once, you know, I don't know which year this was, but it was a while ago, said, you know, my, my child gets so nervous when you call on her. Um, because she's very introverted and she doesn't like to speak up in class. And I realized, you know, that sometimes I do that to that particular child, a cold call and ask questions. And I did not realize how much I was making her uncomfortable. And I was so grateful to get that feedback from the parents. Um, you also, you know, I mentioned I work at a French international school and I learn a lot about the home cultures as well when the parents talk to me about their families and about the kids and, um, what their hopes and dreams are for their child. And sometimes they're not matching with what the child wants, right? But just honoring that difference and, and knowing um, I come from an American culture and I know that's going to be different from some other cultures that um, of, of families that I, I work with. And just honoring that and listening and knowing that I don't, there's no way I could know everything and I don't know everything. And just honoring Okay, how, how do you see this situation? And, um, you know, maybe you're not from this country. And, and what is it that we can reconcile as far as our two cultures and talking about those in this classroom? Oh, yes. We cannot <laughs> talk about calling home. We cannot talk about parent night, parent conferences. We cannot talk about any of it without talking about diverse classrooms. Right. And, you know, I think that that is also a major obstacle um, for many. And I know that it's an obstacle that I experience as a monolingual, as someone who has, you know, many students that are, that do not speak the same home language as I do, but we find ways. Right. And through collaboration, through teamwork, I happen to be blessed that I have amazing teams around me, um, but not everybody does. And, you know, digging into, you know, this a little bit more in your experience, because, you know, actually you're in a friend, you're in an international school. Mm -hmm. So you're dealing with not even the cultures, just the Hispanic cultures or the African-American cultures or any other cultures that are out there. We're dealing with more that may be kind of a little bit more diverse into more European mm -hmm. places that may not, we may not really see as many of those kinds of schools. Um, locally, I guess right. that's the best way to say that. Right. Yeah, it's extremely diverse. I I'm very very 
honored and lucky to work in this environment. I have so much to learn and I need to often be quiet and listen and ask questions and be curious because that is how I'm going to learn about cultures that are different than my own. And, um, you know, someone coming from Australia, someone coming from Bangladesh, right? They're going to have a very different perspective sometimes about education, about how they want their child to be raised, what kind of dreams they have for the child. And, and I'm, no, I'm not generalizing about any particular area because, I mean, there's a ton of diversity in all of those countries I'm mentioning, but um, it's any teacher, no matter what your, your culture is, if you're part of the main dominant culture, it's important to just be quiet and listen and ask questions and not to be afraid to ask questions and, and just say, why do you do it that way? Can you tell me more about that? Um, can you tell me more about this religious holiday? I am very into asking those questions because I have, I teach kids from so many different faiths um, that the kids know that I'm one of those teachers who wants to know more about it. I'm, I don't, avoid the topic of faith or religion in my class because I want them to tell me about themselves and what's important to you and tell me more about why you have this culture. And um, if they're missing school for a religious holiday, just treating that with the utmost respect and honor, no matter what it is. And, you know, if they, if you're giving a quiz that day, maybe try not to, <laughs> but just, it's, it's just working around that and being curious and the kids will feel that honor. The kids will feel that respect. And so will their families. Yeah, no, I think that once again, when we get to that point where you ask questions and I love the part about when you were asking questions, how that is really a, a, the most important way to find out anything about anybody, obviously, but most importantly, <laughs> when you're dealing with students from different cultures, from various backgrounds, culture influences values. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to apologize because values are different mm -hmm. in different parts of the world for different reasons because of their stories. And so this concept of being able to, to, get to that core to get to that that culture to get to what's going on in that home that culture it just kind of follows us everywhere we are going everywhere every environment we're in is our culture and so i think that's what's really important is that you once you start to learn and dig down into the environment what's actually happening and the only way to find out what's actually happening in that environment is by asking the questions and you can't ask the questions if you don't make the contact or the call. And I think another thing is, and I know that everybody, come on, I know you're with me when you're going to ask this question because, well, you have 100 students, you have 25 students. How do you call every single one? And I know you have the answer to that one. So I'm just going <laughs> to let you give us your wisdom. Um, you know, I can't say that I always call every single one. I teach middle school, so I do have lots of sections of, of classes. Um, but I do take the time, and this is in the book as well, I do take the time at the beginning of the school year, and this takes a tremendous amount of time. It's a, it's a huge task. But I send a personalized email to every single family. And it's not just this general, hey, everybody, I'm Mrs. Roberts. I'm looking forward to a great year. It's not that kind of email. I send it within the first week of school, and I say, 
I, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Beck, I love having Brandon in my class. I've noticed that Brandon is so curious. He loves asking questions. Um, he especially loves this game we play. I'm looking forward to meeting you at parent night on this date. You know, that, that part's copy and pasted, but, um, I welcome your questions. Here's my website, that kind of thing. Because even though I can't make that personalized phone call to every single family, I want to make a connection with the Beck family right away and every single family to let them know, I see your child. It's only been a few days, but I already know a few things about your child because you know a lot about a kid in a couple of days. Um, and it's also welcoming them into that classroom space, not physically, don't just like come in, but you can ask me questions and here's our website. And I want you to come for parent night. And I want you to know that I'm open to your questions and I'm open to chatting with you. And then if, if Brandon next week throws a pencil across the room, okay, which I don't know if you ever did that as a kid, but I'm just picking <laughs> if, if, if a kid, Not throws, that I know of. Okay, good, throws a pencil across the room and I have to call Mr. And Mrs. Beck, then um, they already know that I know their kid. And I've made a positive conversation, a positive outreach first before I have to call about the throwing of the pencil or whatever the issue is, right? So it's that very first contact. And it's it's almost like a bank account that you want to put in a positive balance. You want to make deposits into that account before you start making withdrawals because a negative phone call, phone call or an email, that's a negative withdrawal. Um, out of the, the account. So you want to try to have as many positive interactions before you have to start saying something negative about a child or, or some kind of critique. I absolutely agree with you in what you're saying. And that is a solid effort. And I know that that most likely, and I know that that is the reason that you leads to such successful interactions for you. But I'm also going to ask for the person in the back of the room. Okay. Um, so that person in the back of the room who's afraid to call or does not afraid. This person's not afraid. This person is the person who just doesn't see the time in the day to pull it off, to make a call individually, personally. What else can be created to have opportunities to connect with that parent? Well, I think that that person may not be looking to the future and seeing how much impact and how much trouble you will save just by trying to make a positive outreach in the beginning of the school year. I do know some teachers who don't see the value in that and maybe um, have some issues later in the school year that could have been avoided possibly. Not always. You're still going to have some issues perhaps. Um, but I would say to that that person that if you're not going to make the initial positive outreach, because it does take a ton of time, if you're not going to do it, then when that moment comes up that you do have to call a kid's parents because he threw the pencil or he did not do so well in a quiz or, or she forgot her books or whatever it is that you need to contact them about, that you come from a place of empathy and you say, hey, you know what, I was in eighth grade once before, treat it treat it very light. Um, you know, if it, if it can be a light situation, like throwing a pencil, forgetting books, those are not too severe. And you say, look, I was in eighth grade too. I know how this goes. I just want to give you a heads up. I would really appreciate if you could help me out here and, and, you know, talk to Sarah about this. The parents are going to get that you're on their team, that we're all in this partnership together. 
Um, but if you come at it as I'm a professional and I am telling you this is how Sarah will behave in my class, you're not going to get very far, right? You need to connect with them on a human level. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And there's always opportunities like you're talking about in your book, the parent nights, et cetera, for places where they can come that may be a little bit less filter, another place to connect and, and being involved in those, I think, you know, is exactly what people are going to learn more about when they pick up your book. And I can't wait for some of these people that are going to pick up your book. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait for um, more and more people to, to grab a hold of this is the sentence stems um, that you've been talking about to me is, is something that I think is really, is really useful um, because sometimes we just need to, to get an idea started in the mm -hmm. right direction um, for a way to make that connection. So I love that, right. you know, to go get to this point where you're in this place of education, you've been an educator now, repeat to me again, how many years? I lose count, but I think it's like 23. So it's, that's a, that's like a lot. So that's good. <laughs> um, yes. So after that many educate that year, many years in education, obviously there are some people who have influenced you along the way. One thing we do on this show is we dedicate the show to somebody who's out there unlocking unlimited potential in all whom they serve. And you have a special person you'd like to dedicate the show to. Yeah. Um, this person is no longer with us, um, but I hope it's okay that I dedicate the show to Mr. Sheridan. Um, I worked with Mr. Sheridan when I was a, a brand new teacher and I taught at a very large public school fantastic kids, but I was very overwhelmed. I had I, hundreds of kids right on my roster. Um, Mr. Sheridan was just a light of positivity every single day, and it was genuine. And when he would talk to you um, as a teacher, or if you were a kid, or if you were an administrator, it didn't matter. He made you feel like you were the most special person in the world. And ever since I have met Mr. Sheridan, I've been trying to replicate that. I've been trying to do that for others. I don't think I'll ever get to his level, honestly. Um, he had a, just a gift for that. Um, but what I try to do to honor Mr. Sheridan is I try to be the math teacher who helps kids to see the beauty of math, the fun of math. Um, my, my classroom is a fun place. It's a place to laugh. It's a place to make fun of yourself. It's a place to make mistakes. Um, and I learned that from Mr. Sheridan. I learned that math is fun. Learning is fun. And we're here to respect each other and grow with each other. Even the adults are here to grow. Um, and, and I try to carry that through um, with my work and, and help him live on in that way. Thank you. Rest in peace. Thank you, Mr. Sheraton. We appreciate you. Another amazing educator, inspiring another educator who's inspiring more educators and more educators. And the mm -hmm. cycle continues. It's always amazing to see such a great thing. You know, one thing that is happening for you and, and for this work is it's kind of taking you into a place where you're now getting to a point where you're excited about this whole other piece of all of this. So talk a little bit about now with the book, what do you have to plan next in terms of coming soon? Oh, well, I continue to write for Edutopia. Um, I'm still dedicated to my work in the classroom. 
Um, but now I've got some other things going on um, that, in, that involve with, you know, promoting and, and sharing information about the book. Um, I was invited to speak at a Rice University Symposium this summer, which is right around the corner for me. But still, it's very exciting. Rice University is very um, prestigious university here. And um, I have some other speak. I'm going to speak um, at a conference in Indiana coming up in the summer as well. I've never been to Indiana, so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm excited to not be in the Houston heat in the summer. So um, it's it, it's just so many opportunities and I've met so many people through this book, whether it's been online or if the people I'm going to meet at summer conferences. So I'm excited just to meet new people, build new relationships. And, um, you know, I hope people buy the book, but even if not, just talking about this topic is enough. Just helping other educators to make their lives easier and make their kids education more successful. That's, that's what's important to me. Absolutely. You know, in all of this great work and all of the, the work you've been doing, and we've been, talked a lot about this throughout this entire episode and all these amazing, amazing golden nuggets that people will be able to use as they continue on their journey. We've been talking about this idea of, of what it means to unlock unlimited potential. One thing I ask everybody on this show to do is to finish my sentence. Okay. Un unlocking unlimited potential means being vulnerable. Do you want me to elaborate? I would love it if you elaborate. <laughs> okay. This is usually a really great sound bite. I pull it off. I do a little okay. thing. So I'll just I'll, I'll I'll do an edit here. Okay. I am a big fan of Dr. Brene Brown, also from Houston, and also I'm a big fan of the Ted Lasso show. And um, those two, those two celebrities, I guess, Dr. I guess Dr. Brown is a celebrity um, and also the Ted Lasso character, they're 100% about vulnerability. And you are not going to be successful. You're not going to build relationships unless you are willing to show some vulnerability with people to show that you have room to grow that you yourself make mistakes because when you show that side of yourself, you are a leader because you're building other people up. Um, so as a middle school math teacher, I show my kids all the time vulnerability. I'm going to make mistakes in this class, guys, and we're going to laugh about it. And I want you to correct me when I make a mistake. You're going to make a mistake too. And we're here to grow. And that's part of that vulnerability. And you need to have vulnerability with families too. Um, when you're talking with a parent, and you make a mistake as a teacher because, you know, newsflash, we are human beings. and We will make mistakes. Have that vulnerability to say, I'm really sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that. Or I entered your kids grades completely wrong in the grade book, which I've done before. You know, just just say, I'm really sorry. And I'm going to fix this mistake. Absolutely. You tied it all together and put a bow on it. You know, <laughs> that whole idea is I have on my paper, I have being vulnerable with an align with an arrow on both ends next to communication. You know, that idea that, you know, if you can get to that place where you can be vulnerable, where you can, you know, be comfortable in your own skin and appreciate, you know, the power of the connection and what it's doing for you, then you will be able to overcome and, there's great resources and you've got a bunch of them. And if anybody's looking for the link to the book, it will be in the, sh it is in the show notes and you should check it out. So 
and all your contact information, everything is in there as well and all your socials. So everybody can, can throw you a follow. Listen, I really appreciate you joining me on the show today. And I really appreciate all your insight and wisdom and this amazing work you're doing. Well, thank you. It's been such an honor to talk with you. Thank you. Absolutely. And to everybody else out there who is listening, you have heard some amazing things. I hope that you will take the time to share some of these things and share this episode, share it with someone you love, share it with someone you like, share it with someone who needs a little hope, inspiration, or maybe someone who maybe just needs to get on the phone and make a phone call to a parent and just start with one call. So I hope that you'll do that. And to everybody else, what I'll also hope that you will do, if you have not done yet, please sign up for the Something For You newsletter from brandonbeckedu.com. It comes out on the 1st and 15th of every month, and it is absolutely free. So you just sign up, hit to the website, and you know why you got to sign up? Because I spend a lot of time on it every single week, and I'd love for you to, to check it out, enjoy it, listen to it, read it, do whatever you need to do. But at the end of the day, sign up because there's some great updates and great things happening. So Thank you so much, Crystal. I appreciate you for this show. Everybody out there, continue to do everything you're doing, unlocking unlimited potential in all whom you serve because the journey begins with you. Continue to educate with passion and purpose.